Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Let's clap our hands together, shall we, and give the Lord a praise. Lord, you are worthy tonight. Hallelujah. Well, this is our Bible study night. We're worshiping, lifting up the Lord. Would you stand with us and let's pray that God will have his way. We're going to speak to you tonight about the importance of standing fast and strong in the word of God and not compromising as the world gets darker and as sin is everywhere, but that we remain faithful to the word of God. And so our text tonight is Hebrews 3. I'm going to begin with it, but before we, uh, you can grab your Bible, but I'd like us to pray that I'm going to let you be seated. And uh, we're going to, let me, maybe they'll get us, uh, get us started here. All right. But let's lift our hands together. Let's pray that God will, there are several, listen, we've had several miracles. We prayed last night right here for uh, Sister, Sister Duffus. And prayed for a miracle. And as I was saying it, we need a miracle. And I was thinking of at least three places in, in that court date today where, where we needed an absolute miracle. And I thought, well, Lord, I know that it's impossible, but we're going to pray. I mean, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, I know it's impossible, but we're going to pray. And every one of those needs were met today. Praise God. Every one of them. And so I'm thanking God. And it's good to be back from New York. We'll tell you a little bit about it. But let's lift our hands together and let's ask God to minister to our hearts. Lord, I pray for each and every one that's here. Lord, for our children up in in the kids' chapel, I pray for every life, every heart. Lord, this is a busy time. Folks are on the road. Lord, it's uh, Memorial Week and lots of things are happening. But I pray for your hand of safety and your blessing tonight upon the word of God. And we'll give you praise for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, in Jesus' name. <coughs> and you may be seated. God bless you. I'm going to have to. <coughs> now, we're, um, we're hearing good things about the services this weekend. And uh, we, of course, were in New York City and did the New Jersey Men's Conference. And what an exciting time it was. Several exciting things about being there that were just uh, almost uh, beyond belief. And, and we don't like to go often, and so we, we, we are very, very careful and selective, but we really felt the hand of God upon it to go. And so months and months and months ago when they first said it, I said, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to come. And I preached five times this weekend, so I don't have a whole lot of, <clears throat> a lot of voice. But one of the things that, of course, I preached in one of the larger churches in New York City, and that was exciting because it's one of the most interracial churches in the United Pentecostal Church. And, uh, and we were talking a great deal about our new book on interracial worship and our movement and so on. So that was exciting and that was, that was wonderful. You could almost, uh, you couldn't see the, uh, uh, the Statue of Liberty from the church, but you could almost. I mean, if you walked away just a little bit, you could see out and see the uh, the Statue of Liberty. That's how close we were in the in the in the large church. Then I preached in a a, a teeny tiny home missions church in uh, uh, Tenton Falls, New Jersey, and that was exciting because of what the Lord had, had been doing. But I wanted to also mention that I was the first time personally that I met a survivor of the Twin Towers, Brother Sean uh, Waldron, 
uh, had was on the hundred and second floor of the second tower when the plane, the second plane, hit that tower. So he was telling me of the story, and of course the tears were just running down his his face, and uh, it was r- really a thrilling moment for me to hear the miracle. They uh, also the district, the the metro New York Metro United Pentecostal Church district. Uh, checked after, of course, everything to see uh, who was safe and so on and how many members of the United Pentecostal Church were in the building when, when uh, it happened and they collapsed and, uh, and how many got out. They, they checked every church in the area, and that's a lot of churches, and that there were 15 United Pentecostal Church members in the two towers and that all 15 got out of the building buildings and were safe were not injured so that in itself was a miracle but uh, brother waldron was telling me that he was on the 102nd floor and he did not believe he was going to make it the 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 second plane the first plane of course hit about 20 minutes earlier as you will recall i keep doing this because i'm 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 meaning to say the 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 left tower i don't know why i think of it as the left tower but the left tower and that's the way he was describing it to me, was the left tower, the, the plane hit it. I don't know all the details, because I'm just relating his testimony to me uh, Sunday night. And, uh, and he just wept, and we had such a powerful service in that a little home missions church. Now, he goes to both services. He helps out in the little home missions church, and then he goes to the big church over in Staten Island. But, uh, so the plane hit the first building, but it did not fall uh, immediately, in fact, it, it stood longer, which I, I was not registering this in my memory. It was the second building that was hit second, and it fell first, and he was attempting to get out of the building, and little did he know. In fact, he said nobody in the building knew what was going on, and he said we finally, he said I walked the, the entire length of, the, <clears throat> of that 102 floors, and as I was coming down, um, uh, he, he said, I finally got to a place where we could hear the intercom, and the intercom said, everything is all right. You can go back to your, to your offices. And he said, I was as backslidden as I could be. I had not been to church. He said, I had gotten cold and basically quit going to church. And he said, I heard the the Lord say to me, do not go back up. I'm going to lead you out of here. And he got down to the, uh, where the trains were. He's going to take the train. Well, of course, you know, the trains were wiped out with everything else because they go underneath the building. You go down to the basement of the building to get on the trains. And he said, I just, I just felt like the Lord was telling me what to do to get out. He's just weeping because he told me a friend after friend after friend that he left up. That was they were different ones. They each had a different plan, and most of them thought there was nothing to worry about when they were. Uh, in fact, there was um, that building had not been hit. Praise God, and it was the other tower, and and every everyone thought, including the people that were making the announcements, that it was just like a you know like a crop duster or something that had accidentally run into the other building and, and made a noise, and that's why they had gotten all these danger signs. But in fact, of course, we know that it was a, a jetliner. And 
And then he was just minutes away from not nobody knowing it, but that another jet was coming was going to hit his building. And and people weren't sure whether to go up or down. They were trying to decide what to do when that second uh, plane hit the building. And and uh, and then, of course, everything uh, went into smoke and, and and ash was everywhere. He said, we couldn't we couldn't see we couldn't find our way out. He said, all I could do was just pray all the way out. I was, I was in total suspense this entire story. And, of course, he said, the first thing I did was I found me a church. I got a hold of the pastor. And I, I said, I am ready to serve God. I will never miss another service. And, I want, you know, that brother was on fire for God. How many are thankful that God can keep his hand upon us? He can help us and, and keep us. And, of course, we have prayed for the, all the families of those that that for whatever reason were were not spared, but but to uh, hear such an amazing story, and of of their safety, and I guess there were about fifteen thousand people in the buildings, and what was it around three thousand or maybe a little over that were that were actually killed. So so we were preaching right in the in the middle of New York City, and thank you for letting us go tonight. I <clears throat> I'm going to speak on the subject uh, if we. Hold fast. Can you say that? If we hold fast. All right. See it up there. Let's say it again. If we hold fast. Now you'll see that it's in uh, uh, Hebrews three. So let's turn to Hebrews three and I'm going to read four, five and six. But you'll notice that in numbers 12 that it says of Moses. And that's why I put this painting uh, artist rendition of Moses here. And you'll notice that down at the uh, bottom robe of Moses, which is here, I've, I've put a silhouette of a church. Because that's exactly what Hebrews um, 3 is talking about. Moses, it, the Bible says in Numbers 12, who is faithful in, that is Moses, who is faithful in all mine house. Everyone say house. All right? You, I know you're... Uh, uh, weary and and so on, but let's uh, uh, everybody say praise the Lord, <laughs> praise God. I, I was I'm I'm weighing what I'm going to say. I'm not going to say what I thought I was going to say. So who is faithful? So Moses was was faithful in all mine house. That is to say that God has a house, meaning a household. And that, of course, refers to the church, and, and we'll see that that's precisely what is said here in Hebrews 3. Now, I'm picking up at verse 4. For every, let's, let's read verse 4 together. Maybe that, I know I've let you, I've kind of, uh, well, I don't know. I'm just hoping that, you, that I can keep you awake. Here we go. Now, Hebrews 3, verse 4, let's read it together. For every house is builded by some man. Okay, let's stop there. Now, I'm reading it right from my computer, and I have it open, of course, right here. But... Uh, you notice, of course, that the English in the King James is unique. For every house is built by some man. That is to say, there's no such thing as a house that's out there that built itself. How many know that? No house ever built itself. All right, let's keep going. But he that built all things is God. Now, I take that, although some modern translations put parentheses around verse 5. I mean, around the end of verse 4, he that built all things is God. In other words, they don't want to say that that means that Jesus is God. 
And so they put parentheses around it to say, well, every house that's built is built by somebody. And then parentheses like to say, and by the way, just to remind you, God built everything. Okay. But if you don't put parentheses around it, then you are saying that God built everything and Jesus is that God. That's what this verse is saying. But let's just leave that as it is. Now, I'm going to read verse 5. And Moses verily, which of course is truly, was faithful in all his house. How many notice... And, and Brother French, help me out. Make sure if I, if I get off, if, if I typed it in, because I did this very, very quickly. If I typed it in and I'm, and I'm because that is so close that I'm thinking, well, did I type in numbers or is that exactly? Now, I could look over and get it from, from my own Bible here, but let's just uh, see how much we can cover tonight. Notice numbers said, who, meaning Moses, Moses is faithful in all mine house. So Moses, and the key word, of course, is faithful. Praise God. Everybody say, praise the Lord. Moses was faithful. Then verse 5 of Hebrews says, which is New Testament, Moses verily was faithful in all his house. Now, I'm going to skip the rest of that verse just so I can go on. Verse 6 says, but Christ as a son over his own house. That is to say, Christ is even greater than Moses. Both were faithful, but Christ is not just a man. He's also the son of God. And therefore, as a son, not just a servant, but as, that's why I left as a servant in verse 5 there, but as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if, everyone say if, if we hold fast. So the church is God's house. We are the household of God. If we hold fast, if we compromise and become something other than the church, if we become Hollywood, and that's what we are, many, 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 you'd be amazed at people that are influenced more by sports stars and Hollywood stars than they are by the word of God. But how many knows that we're a Bible-believing people? And we live holy, we walk holy, we believe in walking a road of righteousness. And so we must remain faithful to the word of God. If the Bible says it, it's true. How many knows the Bible's true? All right, devil, I'm telling you right now, the Bible's true and you are a liar. God's word is true. So we're going to talk, first of all, about three things. Now let's, uh, let's begin. Now someone took my, my notes. Uh, did anyone look at your music when you left the... Brother French, did you check your, did you lay it down? Because when you took your music, uh, you took my, it's, it's color notes. Did you, do you have your, somebody check? Not that I have to have it, I have the computer open. You put them over here? Oh, they're on the organ? Okay, let me play the organ. Okay. <clears throat> All right, now I have my notes. And uh, I always put my notes on the organ so that I can use them over here on the pulpit. Now, so we're going to look at three things. And, and the reason I, uh, uh, these notes only tell me that, okay, how am I going to cover very much? There's several principles I want to look at. And if, if, if it depends on how many are asleep. After about 50%, if we go over 50% that are 
needing to sleep, I, I'm going to probably not go all the way through the principles. But if we can keep it under 40%, I'm going to get to all of the principles tonight. And that is how we can hold on. How many knows that we need to be the church of the living God? We need to worship on Sunday. And we need to worship on Wednesday. We need to be holy on Saturday. We need to be holy on Friday. We need to be the church of God. We need to be the house of God. Whose house we are if we hold fast. But if we compromise, become the world, then we're the world. God has a household. And, and that's the household of faith. Moses had a house. That's, the, that's Israel. That's, that Moses was faithful in all things. All right. So we're going to look at three ways that we can and must hold fast. Now, the first one is to stay on course. Can you say that with me? To stay on course. Now it says they're staying on course, but you understand what I'm saying, all right? So if we stay on the course, then we can hold fast to uh, the things of God and remain the church that we're supposed to be. Number two, if we can reproduce the truth, it really won't matter. You see, our job is to fill this church up. Our job is to make sure that folks are coming, whether it's Wednesday night, we got folks upstairs and we got folks in here and I thank God for everybody that's here. But how many knows that we need to reproduce the truth in other people? In other words, if people can't stand you because your faith is so uh, obnoxious or you're, they just, you never, or you never share your faith, then you're not reproducing your faith. In fact, I would say most of what I'm going to say tonight has to do with duplicating yourself. If you are worldly, you will duplicate that in other people. So you don't want to be worldly. You want to be godly. How many knows the difference? You don't need to be worldly. You need to be godly. Now, somebody will say, well, that's all outward holiness, dressing modest and being careful and so on, not being worldly and looking like, a, uh, like, uh, like uh, the, the world and so on. Uh, people, uh, there's all kinds of people that look really good on the outside. They're terrible on the inside. That's the first thing folks will say to me. Well, you, you know, uh, you, you may look good on the outside, but on the inside, you, you, uh, you don't know what all those people in your church are doing. In their hearts, they're, they're just like the rest of us. Exactly. We're all sinners. The difference is we're saved by the grace of God. God has saved us. Hallelujah. How many are thankful that God has saved you and called you out of darkness? He didn't call you out of darkness to rent it. He didn't call you out of darkness to use your clicker and say, come on, darkness, come back into my home. He didn't call you out of darkness to keep you in darkness. He brought you into the marvelous light of his spirit. All right, so now, um, and of course, the last thing, the third thing, I mean, is to pass the torch or the light of truth uh, on, to keep it burning. Everybody say praise the Lord. All right, so that's what we're going to look at, those three things. Now, I want to show you this, um, and you notice at the top, this I'm, I'm trying to be very, very careful. I'm, I'm nervous about using this overlay. But last, uh, a week ago, so not Sunday night, but the week before Mother's Day, at midnight, this couple was, uh, who are neighbors of my sister, they passed her in Nashville, Arkansas. And this tornado, not the one that I pictured there, because I don't have a picture of that actual tornado. This is just a general, what, I don't know where that tornado was. But the, the picture at the bottom is their home. This couple was killed in that, in that home. 
and you can see why. Now, you, some of you will be a little nervous that I'm being a little insensitive, so I'm, I'm going to try to um, uh, not be insensitive. I, I, I'm not using this to, uh, for some mundane reason. I'm, I'm speaking of them. First of all, their name was Mooneyhan. They were uh, neighbors. My, my sister, who they pastored there in Nashville, they knew this couple, and this couple did not live far from them. And my uh, sister and them have a very nice place there. They bought an old, wouldn't you call that a farm home or something? And, and then if you go just right up into Nashville, this couple lived here, uh, which you can tell that somewhat in the country. If you Maybe you can't tell. I, I, I don't know what you're actually seeing. I can tell by where I'm at looking at it. But the, uh, the uh, and I'm... Uh, trying to be very, very careful here. This, this couple, uh, the reason this story has gripped me like it has, well, not only because it's Nashville and my sister lives there. In fact, my sister and them had to move into the church because there was no electricity. There was uh, so much damage and there was no water where they, some of these places, if you don't have electricity, you can't have water and, uh, and so on. And, and when she talked to me, uh, she was very emotional. That's extremely unusual for Gina. I will tell you that right now. And she was telling me about this <clears throat> this couple. And so I ra- rushed to the uh, internet to, to get uh, facts and information. And I was able to find out that the uh, the people that f- found them and reported that night, it was midnight of Mother's Day. In other words, it was actually the day after because at midnight, it's technically the next day. So it was the 11th of May, but it was actually the night of Mother's Day. They had a little girl <clears throat> who was just a little over, not just barely two years old. And the, the report is they had to figure out what actually happened. But this is the official report. This is what they are reporting as what occurred. They were both uh, killed, but the evidence suggests in that rubble that this uh, Michael and Melissa knew that it was coming, grabbed, and the children are out. See, I wouldn't do this if the children were in here. They, they tried frantically to figure out what to do to, uh, if I were in a trailer, I'm going to tell you something. If I were in that trailer in anywhere in the state of Texas, Oklahoma, or Arkansas, I'd be grabbing the baby too. <clears throat> but they, the evidence shows that they quickly had to determine what they could do and that at some point in that l- late night hour, the the rain and the, and the winds that Gina said it was unbelievable. They'd never had anything like it. And they knew somehow uh, that a tornado was sighted nearby. And, and so everybody, you know how it is. Everybody was hunkering down. And <clears throat> they heard evidently the, the roar of that tornado. And I've heard it many times. Sister French, uh, we've, we've been in plenty of them. More, way more than I ever wanted to be in. And... And when they realized the sound of the tornado, that they were not going to escape. There was nowhere to go. It was, it was going to hit. They began to devise a way to save that baby of theirs. And evidently what they did 
Now, I could be, I don't know if I fully understand the report. They began to get things to where they could be in a safe spot. So whatever fell, it would, uh, they'd be somewhat safe, although it's, there's no safe place. You can see there's, there was no safe place. So they took their own bodies and they wrapped themselves around that baby. And when that trailer came back to the ground and exploded and all that took place, those two young people who are just in their early 20s both lost their life, but somehow cushioned between mom and dad, that baby lived. And that is the way they found that child. I would say that is about as strong of a story of love for a child as I've ever heard. And I've heard, we've all heard marvelous stories of love and motherhood and so on. But here was a couple who's, I would dare say that, uh, I'm going to get past this, that uh, this is a young girl as she grows, she will uh, hear of this devotion the rest of her life. Um, and so I am, I'm trying to use this tonight. I'm, I'm linking into it. It's very real to me. It's something that's very, very real. And as I thought about our commitment to the household of God and what is important to us, how many are following what I'm saying? I'm trying not to make merchandise of this. When, when we make our commitments, are we going to be committed to what television is committed to? Are we going to committed, be committed to what some singer is committed to because she's got this great voice? But she's as ungodly as she can be. Now, I'm not, I, I hope all the Hollywood stars are saved. All, I hope every musician is saved. But I am not serving Hollywood as God. I am serving the mighty God. He is a mighty God. And so what is my first commitment? My first commitment is to the thing that I treasure the most. Our children and passing the life of the truth and life on to our offspring. And that's really what I'm talking about tonight. How do we pass it on? I wonder if we could just lift our hands and thank the Lord for whoever it was that handed the Bible and the gospel to us. Could we just thank him for a little bit? That's beautiful. Lord, I thank you for it. I, 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 want, to, I want to say thank you. And I, I know that sometimes someone has given so the love that's been handed down on this Mother's Day. And we thank you, Lord, for the love you gave us. And we give you praise for it. <clears throat> now, we're looking here at uh, Kevin Ford's book. And I'm going to go quickly. I know I'm not going to be long-winded. But there are two things about reproducing the truth in others that I want us to, to remember. Number one is the word imprints. Now in the, uh, okay, I, if I do this, you can, you can see where I'm at. Okay, see where it says DNA? Can you see that? Okay, now the DNA, DNA is the, is the, the building block, uh, building blocks of the human body. So the reason you have uh, uh, 
whatever color skin you have or hair you have and so on is because of your DNA. Your DNA tells you and it's passed along and this is called imprints. Sometimes it's referred to as imprinting and so we might uh, refer to it as DNA imprinting. And so it's also true of the household of God, or I'm going to now call it the church. But what I'm trying to do is make that connection that we can reproduce the truth, but we, but we have to pass the truth along. If you alter it, you get in trouble. So you have to be very careful. And that's why it has to be imprinted. You have to, for example, for example, in heaven, uh, it's neither male nor female. It's neither black or white or brown or yellow or red. It makes no difference. There's In the house of God, there is no difference whatsoever between race and color and, and, and male or female. How many knows that God loves everybody the same? In the last day, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all. All flesh. That was a direct. That was a when I say direct, I mean, that was a pointed. I don't mean direct in the other sense. It was a pointed uh, message from the Holy Ghost to show us that he it was. That anybody and everybody can be saved. Now, you can't be saved just because you put a nickel in. Okay, that doesn't save you. Or a or hundred million nickels, that doesn't save you. In fact, you can't save yourself. You must be saved by the gospel. And how many are thankful for the gospel tonight? All right, but, but okay, but I'm not here to, I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to, to uh, <laughs> relay tonight is that it is critical. For example, if you hear the sound of a world that's coming down like a storm upon this generation, we need to be ready for whatever it takes to make sure that we're saved. And that we pass this along. That we, we can remain the household of God. That family lives on. I can live on, but only if I hold fast. I've got to get a hold of it. I've got to wrap my children as it were. You don't say, well, they're my kids and so I'll, I'll make an exception for them. No, you can't say that. You've got to say, they're my children. And I, the main thing is that they make it to heaven. Okay, but anyway, I... I we could just say it's the word of God, but but I'm trying to be more specific than that, that we pass along the gospel truth that, that our shared values and beliefs. For example, we don't believe in racism. We're opposed to racism. We don't believe in ungodliness. There are things you can listen to me. Listen to me. I, I'm not I'm not running for anything at all. I'm not running for pastor. I'm not running for election. There are things you can watch that are ungodly and to draw them into your life. For example, let's say that you watch ungodliness and you say, and I do hear this rather often, that it that doesn't affect me. I'm still godly. It does, I, I don't let it bother me. I had one guy told me he was into pornography and it didn't affect him. I said, you are the biggest idiot that I have ever spoken to because you're marriage is in shambles and you are blinded by sin to the point that you cannot see what this is doing to your family. There are things that you can wear 
that are ungodly. They're ungodly. I don't care what anybody. You need to say to God, I want to pass on a holy gospel to those around me. I want to live holy. So they're shared values. And if, if we lose them, and for example, I'm losing my hair right now. I, I don't mean as I speak. Well, I may be. I don't know. <laughs> But no, for the last couple of years, um, my heredit, my her, uh, what I have inherited. See, I did not receive. Uh, I say receive. I did not inherit. That's what I mean by that. My grandfather Butler, who was my mother's father, he had full head of hair. I mean, he was about ninety, almost ninety, when he passed away. And his hair did thin, but he kept. Now, on the French side of the family, that's what I've inherited. I have this. And the, and the Smith men also have the thinning of the hair. So um, I would, of course, I hear some chuckles over there. But um, I would love to have gotten the gene that said you're going to have your hair for. I mean, it's it just maybe a little bit of a preference, Brother Dan. But uh you just know. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm way too wound up tonight. All right. So uh, these are imprints from heredity that are passed on to us. And so if we can then understand that spiritually we have the same thing, we must hold on to our heritage now I've switched from heredity to heritage. If you sell your birthright and you sell your holiness and you sell righteousness, the world's just going to end up with a bunch of worldly people that claim something that they don't have. But if you hold on to it, you're going to be the household of God. You're going to be able to worship and praise God in the midst of it all. Praise God. So we've got to guard it and we've got to... Uh, Preserve it. All right. Everybody say praise the Lord. So let's let's go quickly. So a church's code or the uh, see back here we were looking at this. This is the uh, RNA DNA. Oh, the RNA DNA uh, molecule and all those different colored pieces. See all those different colored pieces. They go together. That says he's going to be bald or he's going to have lots of hair or he's going to have a a, a certain kind of teeth. Uh, There'll be a gap between the teeth. That's hereditary. That is what called a dominant recessive and so on. Or you're going to have this lobe or is it going to go right straight to your to your head like this? That's a dominant recessive. And and that's passed along uh, based on uh, on a particular formula for passing along genes and so on, which is highly interesting. Okay, so anyway, la, 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 la. So let's go back. So that's, that's the code. You pass it along. And that is what you call your identity. Now, church, we are a Bible-believing church. That's in our code. Let's get our Bibles and let's lift them up and thank God for our Bibles. Lord, we thank you for the Word of God. Now, you can, you can hold it up all day long, and I thank God for it, and I know you're reading it, but, but if you don't read the Word of God, then you're, you're just hurting yourself. You're just hurting yourself. 
Okay, so that, that is what I'm calling our identity. Then identity, our identity determines our purpose. For example, how am I going to know whether something's right or wrong? Is something right or wrong? How do I, for example, what about computers? How many knows that computers were not invented in the time of the Bible? Does everybody know that? They were not invented. Neither were a lot of things. But that doesn't mean I can't learn how to handle the computer based on my heritage. I'm not going to do anything. What about music? What about a radio? What about film? What about it? Well, I'm not going to do anything that will violate my identity. So my purpose then is to make sure that I walk on the road of righteousness and that as the world is... Listen, folks, there's all kinds of things you can do in this world. You don't have to do them. What you need to do is walk on the highway of holiness and follow that path. Now, secondly, we are a Jesus name tongue-talking church. We're not the least bit ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed of it at all. I've had all I've had univer, I had a university ask me to come uh, and and uh, of course I have a degree in ancient language and so on and so forth. And I, in other words, I have a linguistic degree. All right? I have a theology uh, PhD, but I have a degree in language. And I had a, a university ask me to come and teach on why do I speak in tongues? Well, I wasn't ashamed of that. Now, were they going to make fun of it? Yes, they, they said they were. Uh, they, they said they were going to, uh, it was mostly a Muslim group, but, but they were interested. And it just so happened that the professor of that class uh, had already gotten the Holy Ghost, right? Came to our church, got the Holy Ghost. And so a few weeks later, she said, well, why, they want you to come. When I told them about me, she got the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues. And, and, and it was, there were only like four Christians, and then it was about 35 Muslims. And they were like, oh, man, we can't wait to see those guys. We're, it was a theology class at a, one of the, uh, the second largest uh, community college in the world, DuPage College. So I said, yeah, I'd be glad to come and explain why I speak in other tongues. Because that's my identity. And how many are thankful that you receive the Holy Ghost and you know what it is? How many are glad you were baptized in the name of Jesus? Someone said, well, it doesn't matter how you're baptized. Listen, folks, everything matters. It's part of your identity. I'm not going to baptize in the name of, uh, uh, of, of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'm going to baptize in the name that is above every name. And that's part of my identity. And, of course, so is Holiness, and not just the word holiness, but holiness, which means separation from sin, separation from worldliness. Now, let's look at uh, this. I'm going to go quickly. Everybody say, praise the Lord. I'm not going to look at my watch. Oh, come on. Everybody say, praise the Lord. Oh, that was a little, little better. Okay, now, here we see the passing of the torch. Now, let's, talk, let's, let's mix two metaphors, all right? Uh, let's talk about recess of indominate. Now, a trait, I don't know if you can read it, but I'll, I can see it. A trait that will be lost is known as recessive. Now, I'm talking about the human body again. See, I keep mixing these metaphors. All right? So a trait that will be lost is a recessive. For example, blue eyes. 
The only way, now, okay, let me read it. I could tell you, but I might get it wrong and say pink eye or something. Here we go. Unless both parents pass it on, you will not get blue eyes because it's recessive. All right? Everybody understand that? Now, that doesn't mean both parents have to have blue eyes. Are you, you, you okay? Um, both your parents could have brown eyes because brown eyes are, is dominant. That is to say that that uh, trait is a dominant. If you have, if ever there is a brown-eyed trait passed down, you can't get blue eyes. Now, I'm just giving you a little bit of, uh, uh, of science here. You can't get blue eyes. If you have blue eyes, even if your mother and your father both had brown eyes, they had the blue eye trait. They just didn't have the blue eyes. You can carry both, but you can only pass one along. And so if a child, now it's somewhat rare, I don't know, I have no idea how rare, but I, I don't think it's all that common, that if your, both your parents have brown eyes. Now we're just, I'm only using it as an example. How many knows that I'm not talking about a donut make your brown eyes blue? How many know that I'm not talking about eyes? I'm trying to make a spiritual connection here, so we'll call it a metaphor between the passing on of characteristics. If you, both of your parents have brown eyes, you could have a blue-eyed child because of recessive traits that they also have, all right? And I guess there's a way to figure this out because there's, they're doing all kinds of stuff now with genetic, uh, all kinds of stuff that way beyond what I'm talking about tonight. Now, let's talk about the dominant trait, a trait such as brown eyes that always overrides recessive or blue eyes in the offspring. So what, I, what I'm trying to say is, that if you're going to hand something down, you have to be very purposeful in what you're doing. Now, I'm not talking about blue eyes and brown eyes, all right? I'm trying to show you that just like you received character, for example, you may look like your mother, or you may look like your father. You and your brother may look a lot alike, and that's because that was handed down to you, and that's what you are. What I'm trying to, I'm trying to make a connection. That is your identity. Right? It makes me sick when people are, uh, have racist attitudes. And so someone, because their, uh, their skin is red or, or yellow or white or whatever it is, that you just don't think they're just quite as good as you are. And it's, it's absolutely mind-boggling. But, 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 exactly like you pass traits on to another generation, the church must duplicate itself with the traits of the word of God that are necessary. If you start tampering with the heritage and start saying, well, you know what? I don't know about, and you start yanking things out of that, uh, let's call it that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little too deep into the metaphor, but you start pulling things out of, let's call it that gene copy. But the main principle is this. not pass on what you do not have. Can we just thank the Lord for what he's given us and let's pray that God will give us the strength to, to be the kind of person that will make sure our children receive it. All right? Now, I, 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 I'm not done. I don't want to finish. So 
I don't want to finish, so don't look at me like that. All right, I'll be done in a second. All right, so, so now let's look at it as a light. Uh, let, let's change the metaphor. I told you I was going to do this. Now, first of all, I just told you that you, you must first possess it. You must have the torch. And what every generation has to be careful with. See, I've changed the metaphor now from uh, hereditary and from holding on to a child that is in danger. I've switched it now and I've said we're passing it on. Those parents passed on to that child life that they lost, but they passed life on to their child. And, and so it is. We, we can do that. We can, we can pass things along. That's, I'm using one, one truth, and that is getting our heritage passed down in three different metaphors. And I'm in the third metaphor right now. That there is also a sense in which this is like a great light that shines. Folks, we were not created to be in the darkness we were created to be in the light and for the spirit to, oh, he hallelujah. We were created to be in the light of the spirit and we must successfully pass that torch on to the next generation, to the next one. But you cannot pass on what you do not have and you must do it successfully. And so it is. And you notice, I think you will notice that I was able to find a, an actual picture that's a picture i had to i had to do this to it to get that child's uh image in the picture i didn't that's an actual picture i didn't create the picture i just cut it down so you could see the hand passing the torch to this child this i can't tell for sure i think that's a young man but you you might not think so it appears to be a young man and they are trying to succeed from that big hand here to this little hand here. Church, I want to tell you something. There's no storm, no tornado, no hurricane, no demon in hell is going to stop me from reaching my hand to the next generation. I'm going to reach my hand as, as much as fast as, and I'm going to run as fast as I, wait, now I'm going to add in the, I, no, I'm not, but I could add in the, we're running a race as well. And we have to pass that baton. Okay, now let's keep going. We must never lose sight of who we are, where we're going, or our purpose. Now, as you can see in this photo that I've used. That's an actual photo. I don't, uh, I don't think it's doctored. I think it's an actual photo. As far as I know, it is. And, and uh, we have to know where we're going. And that means a lot of times we have to make sure that we have the light of truth. Now, it just happens to be a daylight photo here. But how many knows that you still have to determine where to go? How many can see that? I'm almost done. Everybody say, praise the Lord. You better be close enough to God to know which way to go. How many believes God can help us to know what to do? <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm trying not to say it. I'm trying to get off of it. But uh, they were telling me how they were trying to get out of the towers and they were about to collapse down and they, you had to get so far away or you'd be covered with the debris and how that some, there were reports of, of people, Brother uh, Waldron was telling me, that they had to, they were running, trying to get out. <laughs> and they had, they just had to trust they were running in the right direction. I believe God can help us to know that we're going in the right direction. It's called conscience. Listen, listen, if you're violating your conscience, 
You need to stop it. You need to say, yes, Lord, I, I hear you. You're talking to me. You need to listen to God's voice in your life. And, of course, his word, you, you don't just have conscience. Conscience is important, but the word of God is, is critical. They work together. Okay, I'm going to skip this slide and this one because that, that's a little further than we need to go. So our purpose is not to become more and more worldly, but we are to seek God in our lives. Is anybody hungry for God in your life tonight? Isn't that what you're hungering for? Okay, I'm going to skip this one and keep going. And so no matter where the curves in life take us, it may be the sound of a great storm overhead, but... But we can know when we hear a certain sound that we've got to do. I've got to do something. Church, let me tell you something right now. I, I can't pastor this church if I thought I'm just, that all I'm doing is getting up and preaching beautiful sermons and teaching Greek and Hebrew. I want to tell you something. It, it is critical that we recognize the signs of the time that are all around us and that mom and dad can wake up and say, I've got to get myself ready. I've got to get my heart prepared for what God wants. Some of you may only make it by a few minutes, but if you can just get past that, that all that ass that's flowing, and you can get out of the world, keep going, keep running, and let God help you out. I do believe it. Yes, I do. You can mock all day long, say whatever you want. I believe Jesus is coming, and I believe that he's going to take his church out of this world. And you need to be ready to go. You do not want to be left behind. Now, I could say more. There's a lot I want to say. But all I'm going to say right here, all change, anytime we have change, and we're wondering, should I do that or should I not do that? It must be intentional, and it must be in step with where we intend to go. And where we intend to go is where the word of God is leading us. Now, it may go back and forth. Sometimes the river, you know, ekes out around this mountain and goes back this way. But uh, you, you understand what I'm saying. Let's, uh, let's skip this. Let's stand together, shall we? All across the building, let's stand. We're going to pray that God will help us to pass the torch. To preserve what is dear to us. Could we just lift our hands and lay your Bibles down? We're, we're all done. Let's, let's ask God to help us to preserve what we love most. Father, sometimes Satan tries to use our all of our faults and our weakness and makes us think we almost have to be Jesus himself before we're good enough to talk to you. But Lord, I thank you right now because you have given us faith to rise above this world. And you've given us strength, Lord, to lift our hands and our hearts, Lord, to you and give you all the praise. And I ask God that you will help us to pass the torch of faith to hold on. Sometimes when we, we don't think we can even do it. But I pray that you'll help us in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Though, though, let me close with this. I know we're going we're gonna to be dismissed. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask uh, <clears throat> our bishop to dismiss us in prayer here in just a moment. But I wanted to tell you this. I, 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 I'll never say it again. It's, uh, it's just in, on my heart. I've, uh, it's been a busy week. And, you know, here I am. I'm trying to obey the spirit. But Brother Waldron told me, oh, oh Jesus. <laughs> he said he, he rushed down those 102 floors. I said, Brother, how did you, how did you, I, I thought of me going down three flights of steps, you know. Hallelujah, hallelujah, praise God, hallelujah. You know, whoo, I'm all wore out. And that was just one flight. He said, Brother French, when I got to the end of the 102 floors, I almost fainted. He said, I could not control my legs. He said, I, I had run so fast and people everywhere crowding and trying to help one another. And he said, I got down there and I, I was going to faint. I was going to pass out my legs. He said, the muscles in my legs almost gave out or cramped. Or I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to explain it the best I can. In other words, his legs gave way. That's the words he used. My legs gave way. I couldn't. He said, he said it took everything I had. I, I hadn't prayed in months. He said, I had to pray, Lord, give me strength. Give me strength. Give me strength. Help me to get out, Lord. And he believed that God gave him supernatural strength. Not everybody. Hey, folks, I, I'm... I'm Trying not to be overdramatic, but there were a lot of people above the 78th floor that never exited that building. And sometimes, folks, it's not easy. What we need to do is not easy. You can't just always stop and say, well, I'm going to sit here on the 80th floor. Well, you sit too long on the 80th floor and you're going to be history in about 15 minutes. You got to get out of here. You got to get away from all of this. And I believe somehow in the Holy Ghost, the Spirit is reminding us that we've got to believe that if we'll wait on the Lord, He will renew our strength. Praise God. Praise God. Could we lift both hands now and let's... Let's be dismissed. Brother Cole, come and pray for us tonight. These folks are, are ready for us to pray. Brother Cole's going to, whatever he feels to say, and he's going to dismiss us. Lord, yes. tonight I can say with the Apostle Paul, yes. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not ashamed to be called an apostolic, one God, holiness, individual. Thank God. Thank God for our pastor tonight that's Reminding us that we must retain our identity. We must not be ashamed. We must gladly lift our hands and voices and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for calling us out of a world of darkness into your marvelous light. Not because of who we are, but because of who you are. Thank God. I'm glad, Lord, that it's your will that every person in this building tonight, Lord, will be saved. In Jesus' name, amen. And everybody said amen. All right, now this is a time to shake hands. Don't leave without shaking hands with some folks. Greet one another. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. God bless you.